Do you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? It could be caused by something as simple and common as a vitamin B1 deficiency. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a solution for low B1, Zobria by Oshare Health. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven nutritional supplement containing a high-potency bioactive form of vitamin B1, which has been shown to reverse symptoms caused by low B1 with no side effects. Low B1 causes your nerve cells in your feet and legs to stop functioning properly. may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Restoring proper B1 levels has been shown to reverse these symptoms. You can get Zobria now with new lower pricing, risk-free, by going to Z-O-B-R-I-A dot com or by calling 1-855-ZOBRIA-8. That's Zobria.com or 1-855-962-7428. Get 20% off the new lower price with coupon code Hoffman at checkout plus free shipping. Zobria.com. Vitamin B1 perfected. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And uh, this month and next, uh, we're, we're going to be doing a, a couple of podcasts on the subject of anti-aging. And uh, this kind of departs from uh, a disease-oriented model because, yes, we can uh, extend life by uh, conquering many of the diseases that uh, curtail longevity, such as cancer, cardiovascular disease, and so on. Uh, but... Uh, they're a group of uh, researchers and scientists who are intently working on the aging process itself and looking at uh, the fundamental biology that underlies uh, aging and uh, looking to loosen the constraints of aging and extend life uh, through uh, interventions, a variety of interventions that we're going to cover during this podcast. Uh, our guest is Dr. Sandy Kaufman. Uh, she is the developer of something called the Kaufman Protocol. I'll spell that name for you because you want to look it up. Uh, you need the spelling. It's K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N, one F, two Ns. And you can find the protocol at uh, kaufmanprotocol.com. Uh, interestingly, Dr. Kaufman began her academic career in the field of cellular biology. She got a master's degree. Uh, so she is uh, started as a research scientist, and then she turned to medicine. Uh, she obtained a medical degree, and she completed a residency and fellowship at the prestigious uh, Johns Hopkins School of Medicine in the field of pediatric anesthesiology. Well, kind of that's the other uh, uh, end of the aging spectrum, neonatology. And um, however, uh, her career took a different turn. Uh, and she got interested in aging. So welcome, uh, Dr. Kaufman, to Intelligent Medicine. It's a pleasure having you on board. Thank you. I, I can't wait to have this discussion. Okay, great. Uh, well, what got you interested in uh, anti-aging? I mean, you had a uh, career in uh, you know uh, in academic medicine, and then you went into um, uh, practice in pediatric anesthesiology, which you're actually still active in. Um, but uh, what happened? What what uh, created your avid interest in the science of anti-aging? That's a very good question, and a lot of people ask that, and the answer is something somewhat unpredictable. I'm actually an avid rock climber. Hmm. 
Um, I love the outdoors. I'm a 5'10", 5'11", climber, uh, which to climbers is not going to sound very impressive, but I kind of proud of myself. So, so the point being is that you want to be kind of light and lithe, uh, you know, really like, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, just to, because of gravity, <laughs> gravity's effects, right? Well, it's, it's a full body experience where you have to be strong, you have to be limber, you have to be intelligent. Uh, I like to think of it as um, horizontal yoga. Um, using your whole body and your whole mind. But I distinctly had a thought hanging from a cliff when I was in my mid-40s that unless I did something to decelerate the rate of my decline, I was not going to be able to do this for much longer. Mm -hmm. And I used what I had at my disposal, which is my educational background, and I set out to determine whether or not you could actually figure out why cells age or why our bodies age and then to see if we could actually decelerate it. And I was very happy to learn that you can. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, you know, there's a big debate in the field of anti-aging. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a schism between those who believe that, well, we can forestall aging, you know, by various means. But there are actual uh, very tangible limits on uh, longevity that, uh, you know, we're programmed to die and uh, we can ameliorate that we can become centenarians but uh we can't go way beyond that and then there are others who believe that you know we can tackle in a very systematic way some of the processes of aging and extend uh, our lifespan virtually indefinitely which which side are you on i think that the the real answer is both because in the short term we can extend life i'm expecting hopefully to live fingers crossed unless I fall off a cliff, to about 120. And I think that's viable based on what we know now and what the science is now. Um, I firmly believe that in the next 20 to 30 years, the strategies are going to be unbelievable in terms of gene manipulation and all sorts of uh, unheard of things. So I think ultimately we will jump then to 200, maybe to 250. I clearly won't be around for that. But I think ultimately we will get there. Certainly not in the near future, however. So what you did, uh, and this is really kind of harkens back to your, your uh, basic science background, is you, uh, in your protocol, you sort of chunked aging into several different uh, components. And, you know, maybe we, we can go through that, you know, and talk about, you know, why do we age? You know, what what's going on? Sure. Um so this may be kind of boring to your readers I, or listeners. I, I hope it is not. So I'll try to make it moderately interesting. But I decided that um, as a cell biologist, you age because your cells age. We are all made of cells and cell products. And so if you specifically look at a cell, I believe that a cell ages in seven specific categories. And, of course, there are subcategories to those categories, but seven basic reasons. Mm -hmm. and, and we have, you know, traditionally we've looked at, we've had the antioxidant theory of aging, and then there's the mitochondrial theory of aging, which I think you give credence to. But sure. you go beyond that, and I think you uh, take a more uh, nuanced approach to, to seven different tenets. Can we uh, touch upon those, please? Absolutely. Um, so tenet one is... Um, DNA alterations, and in that category, I post uh, telomere shortening, 
telomere science is sort of big right now, so I think most people understand what that is. Yeah, just and, to help us out with a basic primer on, on telomeres, because I kind of, uh, I've described it as, you know, if you look at your shoelaces, you've got these little things on the ends of your shoelaces, and there's a word for it. Shoemakers know this word. They're egglets, E-G-L-A-T-S. <laughs> And yeah. It's kind of a cool pro- crossword puzzle word. Um, and, uh, you know, when those get frayed, I hate when that happens. Then your shoelaces kind of, you know, get frayed and they unravel. And so you got to buy new shoelaces. But you can't do that with your, <laughs> you can't buy new uh, telomeres in your body. It's like once your egglets or your telomeres uh, uh, fray, game over, right? Something along those lines? Or is that an oversimplification? No, that's, that's about right. But I'll, I'll give you the bad news and then I'll give you the good news. How about that? Okay. So, so you're absolutely right in terms of your analogy. Um, obviously, DNA is a spiraling stairwell, and at the end, there's a piece that didn't doesn't code for anything. And when I was in med school a million years ago, we called it nonsense DNA because right. we really thought that it did absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the little ends that you need that the uh, that the telomerase gene sort of clings to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll back up a whiff. Every time your cell divides, you'll lose little tiny chunks of this. Um, so as your cell divides and divides and divides over your lifetime and the telomeres get shorter and shorter and shorter, eventually there's no space for things to sort of hook on there to elongate it. So you're absolutely right. There's pretty much a direct correlation between the length of your telomere and the length of your life. So that's kind of a depressing thing. Can, can we measure telomeres? Because there's some companies that are offering uh, direct-to-consumer tests where you, you know, you, you, I guess you can spit or you can do a finger prick, uh, and yes. then they'll give you your telomere age. And you know, it's kind of cool if you're if you're 65 and they tell you oh, your telomere age is like 40. How cool is that? Or you could get some bad news on that count too. So you have to take it with a grain of salt because. Yeah, they're testing either blood cells or whatever cells that you you decide to donate to, to the test system. But you have to understand that your blood cells aren't going to be the same as your liver cells, which aren't going to be the same mm-hmm. as your stem cells. They're all programmed differently a little bit, right? Absolutely. So the length of one does not necessarily represent the length right. of all of them. Okay. So, uh, but it sounds like sort of nature's planned obsolescence in a way. It's sort of like... Okay, you know, here's you get you get uh I don't know, uh several hundred replications if it's uh your some your liver cells and you may get fewer if it's you know cells elsewhere and maybe in places where there's a lot of cell turnover in your gastrointestinal tract or your hair follicles uh you get a lot of options, but once uh you know th- they say the cat has nine lives, maybe your telomeres have scores or hundreds, but you know, once uh, you run out of telomeres uh, it's kind of game over, right? For so and that predicts organ failure, maybe at different rates. You know, maybe your 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 uh, uh, liver is going to outlast your um, your hair, your head hair. <laughs> you know. Well, no, that's that's absolutely true, and it has to do with the number of times your cells have to turn over in any particular tissue. So, if you have a diseased organ type, and you're demanding that the stem cells in that organ turn over more quickly, the likelihood is that you're going to have failure on that organ first. Mm -hmm. So it's not homogenous throughout the body. But what the body does have, especially in stem cells and a few other cells, is a a gene that makes something called telomerase. Right. Right. And it is an enzyme that increases the length of your telomeres. And there's some evidence that we can sort of um, 
turn it on more than we could naturally. Right. But there's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a two-edged sword because uh, they now are doing uh, liquid biopsies for cancer. And one of the markers for uh, cancer is uh, high levels of telomerase, excessively high levels, because that's the immortalized cancer cell that, you, you know, never dies. Well, that's that's exactly right. And there, there's pros and cons to absolutely everything. In fact, people ask me, my entire protocol is built around making a cell act better. Uh, and my, my protocol does not differentiate between normal cells or cancer cells. So before people start on these things, they should pretty much rule out obvious cancers. And it looks like, uh, you know, through your app and through your book, uh, you can somewhat individualize uh, people's approach to age. In other words, there's no one-size-all uh, Kaufman protocol. Am I correct in saying you are absolutely you are absolutely correct. And um, let me quickly describe the other things sure. so that people sort of have a better understanding. Yeah. Um, so in the DNA category, we talked about telomeres, but there's also um, with sort of methylation issues. And mm -hmm. that because people are going to know, understand the Horvath clock. And there are things that can increase methylation and decrease methylation, as well as alterations on your histones. So epigenetics is an extremely important part of aging, and that, too, falls into the, the DNA category. Right. And th there's also some tests now that uh, test methylation to see if you're efficiently methylating. Is that? That is absolutely correct. Right. right. You Which can is, a, the is an aging kind of, uh, it's a one, another way of quantitating your aging, right? Mm-hmm. That is okay. correct. There, yeah, there's the Horvath clock. There's another one. I don't know if it has someone's name on it that, that you can sort of look at it. But there's there's standard epigenetic changes, and then there's what's called epigenetic drift, um, which more closely represents your lifestyle um, and sort of dictates how well you do over time. And if you look at identical twins, the, the older they are and the farther they've grown apart, the, the more the different in the epigenetic drift. Mm-hmm. So that's so, sort of why twins don't stay the same. So that's that's not uh, hardwired. That is affected by lifestyle and environment, which opens up the possibility that we can modify that through uh, beneficial practices and through potentially supplements or even medications. Yep, that is absolutely correct. Okay. So anyway, so that that's category number one. Category number two is mitochondria, mm -hmm. uh, the energy of the cell, and put. Most simply, uh, two big problems in the mitochondria, number one, are a nicotinamide deficiency, mm -hmm. and number two, are free radicals. So that's where the mitochondrial free radical uh, theories sort of are uh, entrenched, um, because oxygen is necessary in the mitochondria, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, one to five percent become radicalized, mm -hmm. um, and that causes, I call them like mini bombs around your cell, sort of blows mm -hmm. things up. Um, and obviously, your body's quite smart, so you have endogenous free radical scavengers, but of course, over time, you have fewer and fewer, and thus you have more and more damage secondary mm -hmm. to mitochondrial function. We can always use a, like an engine analogy there is that, you know, in the process of uh, generating energy, the mitochondria generate uh, heat or, you know, uh, uh, free radical uh, waste products, which then uh, cause the mitochondria to wear down, deteriorate, and, you know, basically run out of juice. You nailed it. Absolutely. Fantastic analogy. Okay. Uh, 
tenant number three is a little different. Yep. Cellular so, pathways. So it's, right. So this is a little bit more complicated, requires a, a whiff more knowledge of science. But there are pathways that sort of predetermine that your body is going to age or not age. And in this category, I always talk about the sirtuins. There are seven mammalian sirtuins that uh, control all sorts of interesting things. They control your circadian rhythms. They uh, control inflammatory pathways. They control if you have brown fat versus white fat. They control all sorts of things. And, of course, all the sirtuins decline with age, and that is a huge problem. This category also encompasses AMP kinase which is it's adenosine monophosphate activated protein kinase, which is a bit of a geeky word, but it's also known as the metabolic master switch. And when your AMP kinase uh, is working and it senses that you have low energy, you go into a state of hibernation that promotes longevity. Hmm. And this is actually why uh, starvation diets work. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the, uh, it's the um, intermittent fasting uh, yes. or uh, time-restricted eating models that, uh, you know, or caloric deprivation, which is not, doesn't sound like a lot of fun. We want to maybe, uh, rev that pathway without the deprivation that would be associated with caloric restriction. We got to go down to what 40% of, uh, our normal caloric intake maybe to have that kick in as, uh, primates. Well, and, and people love, people are crazy. I mean, I respect them to death because I can't do it. But people have really taken these intermittent fasting diets to an impressive degree. And it helps in terms of weight loss. Um, but it also, all they're doing is activating their AMP kinase. And the really kind of fun thing about knowing about all of this is there are, there are medications or agents called caloric restriction mimetics, mm -hmm. which tell your body that you're starving, but you're not. And I got to tell you, it is far easier to to do that than actually not eat. I'm for that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll hear more about that in a little later when we get to practical solutions. Uh, moving right on, we're going through the various tenets, seven uh, tenets, uh, mechanisms of aging. So our next tenet is tenet four, and I call it quality control. Uh, this is basically repair mechanisms. Uh, you have 10 to the fifth DNA errors per cell per day, which is a lot. So you have four basic primary DNA repair mechanisms, and you have four protein repair mechanisms. And I put autophagy in this category as well because it seems That's to big, big buzzword. Can you elaborate a little bit on autophagy? Because that in uh, anti-aging research, that's uh, that just keeps coming up again and again. So autophagy is basically cellular recycling. So when a mitochondria, as we talked about, sort of burns itself out, the body takes all of those little pieces and parts, disassembles them, and then makes a new one so that it works better. So it's just an intracellular recycling system. So and you, you invoke it by various means. And another w way to get autophagy is through fasting or, or uh, uh, caloric uh, restriction or time-restricted eating, right? Well, sure. So your body is very smart and you have to think about why it does what it does. Um, and you can think about what you would do in your kitchen as well. For example, if you have something that doesn't work, right, and you had a lot of resources, you're just going to buy something new, right? Your refrigerator breaks, you're wealthy, you're going to buy a new refrigerator, right? Yep. If you are poor and your refrigerator breaks, you're going to fix that refrigerator, 
you're going to take the pieces apart and you're going to build a new one. And that is exactly what your body does. When you are caloric restricted and your body doesn't have what it needs, it goes into a state where you use what you have. So you're recycling everything that doesn't work very well because it's just more energy efficient. Mm -hmm. So if we're, if we're, uh, you know, banqueting all the time, uh, the body doesn't invoke this uh, mechanism, which is a natural kind of uh, human trait. Uh, you know, it's kind of very paleo to go through periods of uh, deprivation and starvation. It's only uh, now in the 20th and 21st centuries that uh, we've conquered hunger and we can get to chow down uh, 24-7. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely right. And our body ultimately will adjust. But for now, we sort of understand how it works to a certain degree and we can sort of play with it. Um, so we can fake our bodies into doing a lot of these things, which is sort of how my protocol works. Okay. Uh, tenant number five has to do with the immune system. Right. So in terms of your immune system, um, big problems here. Uh, number one, the, the, the cells that are supposed to protect you end up causing a lot of inflammation. Mm -hmm. So as you age, you get put into a, a chronic state of inflammation, and this is one of the huge reasons that you get diseases of aging. Mm. Neurologic issues, cardiovascular issues, tons of this is all tied to inflammation. So um, it's, it's a dysregulation of your immunity because on the one hand, you get, paradoxically, you get a hyper immunity, you know, autoimmunity, but you also get uh, uh immunodeficiencies, which may permit infections and cancer. Oh, 100%. In fact, I was just about to say that of my big three issues. So number one is the inflammation. Number two, yeah, the infection risk rises because these cells that are supposed to be protecting you can't. Mm -hmm. um, and then lastly, because these, these cells that are supposed to be doing this again, they're trying, but they can't. And you end up with malfunctioning cells, which turns into leukemias and lymphomas from, from your stem cells uh, in, in the bone marrow. Okay, and that's an exit scenario. Um, tenant number six has to do with individual cells. What's that about? So I, I like to pretend in most of, of the book and my talks that all cells are the same, but this is the one category where we recognize that they're not. Some cells live for very short periods of time, hours, days. Other cells live your entire life, mostly your neurons, the bones in your ears. And depending on their lifespan, their needs are different. If something is short-lived, obviously it uses less resources. If it's living longer, it's niche-dependent, pH-dependent, oxygen-dependent, etc. Um, in this category, I also put senescent cells as well as stem cells. So we need to address very specific needs of very specific cells. Okay. And then finally, there's tenant number seven has to do with taking out the trash, waste well, management. It's the way you end everything, right? So in, in waste management, I talk about glucose mostly. We all know that glucose is pretty much bad for you. Um, and what it does is I tell people that it's sticky on the inside and it's sticky on the outside, right? A lollipop is sticky. So glucose sticks to DNA, lipids, and uh, proteins and creates something called AGEs, which are advanced glycation end products. Mm -hmm. And those are sticky as well. Um, and uh, they love to stick to collagen, and collagen is your support system for most of your body. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, it breaks collagen, and it causes all of your tissues to sort of droop and fall apart with time. Mm -hmm. They just did a study that says, I mean, and we've known this for a long time, that uh, you can do facial diagnosis. You can use artificial intelligence to determine from a picture whether a person's a smoker or not, because 
they're going to have, uh, you know, droopy skin, wrinkles, and discoloration uh, because of precisely because of ages, right? Well, it's, it, smoking is a little bit different because smoking has a huge amount of free radicals as well. I think I read that there's a few billion free radicals in every puff of smoke. Mm. So that's the problem. But also the oxidative stress combined with glucose does cause increased AGEs. Mm. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. Smokers would definitely have more. But also an example of an age, and I think, don't think people realize this, I think a lot of folks are now aware that there's a test called hemoglobin A1C, which is measures your average blood sugar over the past 90 days or so. And that is an age. It's a glycated protein which is hemoglobin, you get it, you know, in your blood cells and you can pull it out of the body and you can check it, you know, unlike, uh, you know, checking for ages in your brain, you'd have to do a brain biopsy to find out about that. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And the interesting thing about it, the hemoglobin A1C is it does, it only tells you, gives you a snapshot of the last 90 days because you're right, your red cells turn over. There is a really cool machine in Europe um, and you can put your arm in it, and it tells you how many AGEs are deposited in your skin. Mm. So that's kind of a cool thing. It's an AGE reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have one yet. I'm hoping to get one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that will give us a better idea when we now try to get rid of the AGEs. Right. I mean, the other thing you can do is uh, you can use a magnifying glass and look at those horrid age spots that are so often, uh, you know, in women's magazines, and they, you know, give you vanishing creams and bleaches to make them go away. Those are... The lipofusin, yes. which is actually kind of a, a garbage dump for the ages, right, that gets deposited in the skin surface. Uh, so, so yes and no. Most most lipofusion, when we talked about autophagy and the cellular recycling, mm-hmm. every time you recycle an organelle, some huge percentage of that gets reused, but there's always a small percentage that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And the cell doesn't know what to do with it. So it jams it in, in, you know, some sort of membrane containing substance and squashes it in the back of the cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call it the kitchen drawer phenomenon because everyone has a kitchen drawer that you put all, all the crap that you don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Rubber bands and, you know, plastic bags, whatever. Exactly. No, exactly. We all have it. Um, and it's sort of the, the fullness of the drawer is equivalent to the long, the length that you've lived in the house. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So if you looked at your brain cells, you would be able to tell how old you are based on how much lipofusion accumulation you had in your neurons. Mm. And in in a really kind of fun, ridiculous, and pointless thing, at least for us, it's how they age lobsters. They look at lipofusion content. Oh, Oh, in other words, determine their age. Yes, absolutely. It's the most accurate way of aging lobsters. Whoa. Okay, well, next time I go to, uh, you know, the fish store, I'll, uh, you know, I'll do an analysis and find out. I, I think you should. <laughs> okay. I'll borrow some of your equipment. Okay. So great. Okay. So you, these are all very advanced scientific concepts that you've explained so well in, in terms that I think our audience can understand. But, you know, the question arises, okay, great. You know, all these ways in which, uh, you know, aging proceeds, uh, how can we intercede? How can we interdict some of these processes? What are some practical ways in the here and now that we can do that, uh, you know, while we wait, uh, you know, late 21st century technology and CRISPR and, you know, all these scientific miracles that are in the pipeline to deliver answers for us. And, and that's what the Kalpman Protocol is all about. There's some uh, practical suggestions. We want to talk about that in, in part two. Uh, so uh, stay with us. Our guest is uh, the developer of the Kaufman Protocol, 
Uh, she's Dr. Sandra Kaufman, MD. You can find uh, the Kaufman Protocol at Kaufman Protocol. It's K-U-F-1-F-M-A-N-N uh, protocol.com. Uh, and we'll be back with part two of today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm Dr. Ronald Kaufman.